0: And so today's show, you know, is about the whisper. And, you know, I wondered if, if when people read the, uh, the show description, Irma, if they thought I'd lost my mind, what does he mean? What does he mean by this inner whisper, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, it's a big deal because, uh, again, if, if people are following the, um, the podcast now and following the streaming, we're moving in a sequence from the, from the time that we are conceived – which means we are spiritual beings uh, coming into a psychological experience. Uh, the formation of ego that happens after language around two and a half, three years of age. The the first experience that we go through is being separated from the source. The next thing that we go through is a division of self, which happens in the culture by guilt and shame. And so the formation of ego is kind of where we are now. And. We, we've also talked about uh, the internalization of the voices uh, of our caretakers in our culture that become our own inner voices and how that plays a part in, um, in how we establish a sense of personality and a sense of who we think we are. And so tonight's show is just another layer of that. Uh, we're going a little bit deeper to to like, you know, what happens? You said you were going to sit with it for a minute and- and see what came through for you. So what uh, what came through?
1: Yeah, I sat with it uh, quite a bit, um, uh, what you wrote, the topic for tonight, and also a phone uh, conversation that we've had. As I was rereading what you wrote for um, tonight's live streaming, I would like to kind of have a dialogue around what you wrote because you wrote it just so clearly i mean for me when i read this i totally get what you're talking about
0: yeah and that's great and so and so we're moving from the internalization of voices which we have described at least in the souls intense context of uh, counselor critic mediator and bully to now talking about a whisper uh, which is coming from a very specific place internally that is out of our awareness. Uh, We're too young, really, at the time that it is created to have a sense of what to do with it. And so, yeah, so what's, what's the first insight that you saw that you wanted to touch on?
1: For me, I broke it into like three sections. So the first section, the soul's intent encourages we should never ignore our inner voice. Also, that emotions that accompany these voices are not negative. It is their pairing that teaches and causes growth we must reenact the injustice of losing ourselves to hurt feelings if we are ever to recover our connection to our spiritual soul beginning. Feelings before wounding are managed. That uh, the emotions that come from that are our motivator, our teacher, our our guide to to self-correct, to get back to that feeling place, to that spiritual place. That's kind of part of how I
0: interpret it. Yeah, ex- exactly. What what I want the folks to 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 get from from that we start out uh, in this experience as feeling beings mm-hmm. and over time become emotional beings. A feeling being of course is a spiritual kind of entity or a spiritual self. Emotional is psychological and so we move from spiritual to psychological which is why again the soul's intent is a psycho spiritual kind of understanding of the human experience. But what I want the folks to hear is, is that we, this injustice that we undergo is separation from the source and also the division of the self. Those two things are huge and we're not even really fully aware of it except for the angst that it creates. So in other words, you know, we have we have some... Um, some angst that comes with being human by that. I mean that, uh, and I, and we've talked about this on the phone before and, and on different shows We're the only species on the planet that as soon as we get here, we, we try to be something other than what we're, what we're intended to be. We're unhappy with ourselves almost immediately and try to be something else other than that, you see, and that's a psychological problem, but it's also a spiritual dilemma because, We are abandoning our intent Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and or we're abandoning what the soul's uh, intent is, which is to simply just be to be in this existence fully in, in its in its complete embodied container and be in this moment. And if we're not allowing that to happen, then we're literally kind of like taking oxygen out of our lives or oxygen away from the soul. And so it's constricted in that regard. And so, yeah, so it's a so that first piece, that first insight is that we must reenact the injustice of losing ourselves to hurt feelings means we must become emotional. We don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, lack of choice is the injustice. And what's important about that is how much victimization did we talk about in the culture today? Uh, How much are we merging the word victimization with the word suffering as if they are the same thing and they are not the same thing? So we are a victim of life and circumstances in the beginning. That's true for all of us, which means we come into the world whatever way we come into the world. The way I like to say it is is that we're either uh, a thought in the mind of the creator or we're an afterthought. Mm -hmm. You know, I certainly was an afterthought. I think you've talked about your life and said you were an afterthought. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you're an afterthought in the mind of the creator, then that means that God is improvising from that point on. You weren't expected. You weren't planned. So now I'm improvising. Mm -hmm. Well, when we're little, we feel that. We feel that we're being improvised for (laughs) And, and feel guilt and shame about it, you see. So, yeah, it's a big deal to get the sense that, that this is something that we're all inevitably going to go through. But now the identification as victim is the psychological dilemma. So if we have the spiritual reality of separation from source, the psychological reality of being divided against the self, which one are we focused on the most and which one should we be trying to repair? Well, in the same sequence that they occur, spiritual first, then psychological, you then have to heal psychological to get back to spiritual. You can't bypass one to get to the other, you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why do you think it's important, Irma, to see it that way, to see that we all undergo that same experience?
1: Um, like you said in this, this first insights of your writing, that pairing of the emotional and the feeling, the pairing of that, and how it teaches and, and causes us to grow. If we resist that pairing and, and feel victimized maybe by our emotional self, it's that victimization that um, I think is, is the real problem. And I think it's important that there's an understanding that we're all kind of in this together no matter what our life circumstances bring to us, um, that we all at some point did feel a sense of being victimized, that we all experience the same thing, and to I think that causes um, creates compassion and understanding and um, less judgment. And
0: this angst that I'm referring to is it makes us spirited. Mm-hmm. You know, the human spirit again, in the context of the soul's intent, is, um, is the physical memory of the soul's birth. In other words, our first feeling reaction to this experience is life itself and the synchronization of what that is. Uh, and, and as early as the womb and the synchronization with the heart of the mother or the heart of the creator uh, and all of that which is the direct connection to life. The, the human spirit is the physical, the physical real time reaction to getting cut away from that, you see. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that angst, which is what makes us spiritual or spirited, is the longing for us to return to that connection. What gets in the way of it, of course, is the psychological reality that we have to adapt and get busy, survive in our lives. Uh, and it really hits us by the time we're like, you know, two and a half, three to four years of age. with the onset of language, we have to start fitting in, uh, belonging, getting along, identifying ourselves, uh, with, with the other folks around us and, and sorting all that out. Uh, that's, that's, which is really all the time that the ego in its clay form is being, is being formed. So the angst isn't negative, the emotional experience of being divided isn't intended to be negative. It's all self-corrective. So in other words, that's the second insight in that uh, paragraph I wrote is that spiritual and emotional angst is our motivation to self-correct. How how do we self-correct getting cut away from the source? That's the the first piece. And then how do we self-correct the division that we feel? And they both sound like pretty hard things to do, right? How do I reconnect with the source? And how do I fix the division that I am experiencing internally? And of course, what's being sold in the culture, which is a portion of the truth, is you got to be present in your life to do it. And the ego lacks the capacity to be in this moment because it worries about the past, relives the past, in fact, and frets over the future. It has difficulty with being in the now, as Eckhart Tolle says, because... It can't do self-deception, and it has to be responsible. So that's why it seems hard. uh, When in actuality, uh, the soul's intent, which is for you to be fully embodied in this moment, that's its gift, which is the gift of presence. Uh, The soul has no trouble being in this moment. It's already in this moment. (laughs) So uh, whether or not you give it station and, and give it and allow the intelligence that is that comes with it and the lens, which is a much broader lens, a kind of a panoramic lens of all of this versus the ego's very myoptic lens of life.
1: Unless you have been doing some um, inner work, some spiritual work, and coming to um, an understanding of the human condition, that feeling of being spirited, um, it can get kind of confusing as to what's what's really going on what's really behind that that spiritedness because based on what you just said I, the closer we get back to our spiritual self that angst would lessen and that spiritedness would lessen
0: the spiritedness becomes more targeted because there's two different kinds of spiritedness there's spiritedness, that is attempting to self-correct uh, the passion for longing, and then there's spiritedness that is angry, which is mean-spirited to correct the divided self. So, mm. what to, yeah, what you need to understand is is that the 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 human spirit that is longing to be re- to, to be reconnected to the source, that angst is relatively pure and doesn't have an emotional charge because it's it's a feeling, it's a hurt feeling. Mm. the the spiritual self or the human spirit that is undergoing the division of the human ego, in addition to separation, is now angry. Uh, And so this is where the whisper comes from. What we need to understand about this, and I hope it comes through as we get more into the dialogue today, is is that the resting state, the natural state of the human ego, is anxiety. And that is the source of the whisper. Because only the human spirit, only the soul and only the heart would ask the question, am I more than ego? And that's really what's being whispered to you. Am I more than ego? Am I more than this? Am I more than what they're telling me? Am I more than what I'm experiencing? And it's a whisper. And why is it a whisper? Because we're little, we're young. We have no idea what exactly it is, except we feel that something's off because we're having to conform and to submit and to stand in line and to raise our hand to speak and to follow the rules and all the things we have to do as children, which is provide the structure and the rules and the conditions to shape us. You know, we call that kind of interestingly in the culture, the formative years. (laughs) Well, what are the formative years? You know, the formative years are technically from about three years of age to about 16. Mm -hmm. Those are the formative years. And then from 16 into young adult, it, it becomes a hard fixed idea of who we think we are. And experts are even saying now that the personality isn't fully formed until we hit 30 because the brain still hasn't fully formed until 30. So there's a lot of different opinions about that. And so, but what we know now is that that this particular sequence of events, these circumstances, these conditions exists the same for everybody. We yeah. move from feeling to emotional beings, and we got to work it out. There's no way around it. We've got to work it out. And if we don't, we're at the mercy of it. And if we don't, we're victim, you see.
1: So that's really important to understand that there's two different kinds of being spirited.
0: Yeah, there's spiritedness that is trying to repair longing. Then mm-hmm. there's spiritedness that is angry because of a division. A division I didn't ask for. It's one thing to get cut away from the source. That had to happen for me to physically get here. In other words, I had to cut the umbilical cord. I can't walk around connected to my mother for the rest of my life. I got to cut that cord. That is understandable. That is, is a much spiritual deeper kind of realization, but the divide itself, we didn't ask for that. We didn't want that. That was forced upon us at some level. And uh, and that makes us angry and frustrated uh, with ourselves and with the outside world. And so it depends upon whether or not, if it's guilt, then you're divided against yourself with self-blame and self-punishment. If it's shame, it's self-loathing and self-hatred, and you're divided against the culture. So either way, the division is there. And we have taken three decades of, uh, you know, I want to say from... Um, the the depression, so four decades the depression, up until the early 80s, where we were a guilt-driven culture. And then we shifted around 1980 into a shame-based culture. So look where we are now. The compensation for guilt was religiosity. Compensation for shame has been narcissism. And again, look at where we are now. Uh, And so so it's a pendulum. I never thought in my lifetime, uh, because I was born into a guilt-driven culture with shame as a demon, I never imagined in my lifetime that I would see shame become everybody's demon. I thought it was just uniquely mine. Yeah. You see. It's a matter of timing. Uh that there are more people on this on this, or at least in our country now, I can't say on the planet, more people in the United States that have a shame based beginning, much more so than 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 our generation had. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I had a shame based beginning, but I had extreme circumstances. That's a profound thing to get, yeah. So does that make sense it's about the two different kinds of angst? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so is one is one psychological and one spiritual?
0: It is because one is tied to the invisible something else
1: mm-hmm.
0: and one is tied to family and culture and is very visible. Yeah. So one, so one is kind of uh, is kind of outside of our peripheral view, and it's and it's a deeper uh, inside connection to something that's that, that you know that is larger than ourselves. Where psychological uh, angst, we we know where it came from. We can even we can name the characters, the events, and the circumstances. You see what yeah. I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: that's what sets us apart psychologically. Everybody has their own story, so to speak. What's unfortunate about that in the spiritual community is, is people are being encouraged to abandon their stories when I think that's a major mistake, you know, that you, you need to complete your story and find a moral to your story and find context in your story rather than to abandon it. So the next, the next thing that, that I've got there as far as insights is, is that we're not, um, if we're too self-correct, you can, you can see that the spiritual isn't probably going to happen until around midlife. Mm -hmm. The psychological self-correction can happen as soon, you know, probably as soon as you walk in to see a counselor after the age of six, seven, or eight years of age, you can begin to start catching up with that. The problem is, I can speak from my own state, uh, we don't have a lot of people that are very good with children. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, most of the population isn't caught until adolescence. And, And by caught, I mean to fix that internal division. Mm -hmm. The spiritual longing piece, we just put, we put that off, you know, as a culture, we put that off until midlife. I think spiritual seekers don't put that off. I think they stay connected to it and keep working on it. But the folks that are not necessarily spiritually, uh, spiritually inclined, don't address these deeper. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Kind of existential questions until around midlife.
1: Yeah, and I could see i mean at least in in our uh society, how easy it can be and is to kind of lose touch with the longing of of the the spiritual angst and get caught up in the um desire yeah i mean and and think that's what life is all about desire and and attaining and attachment and
0: Become a debt slave and you know and buy a house, get a car. Yeah, th- these things are all – and th- this is not new. I mean, we know this. We've gotten so far off center of, uh, of what's driving us – I'm sorry, what's pulling us now. I mean, we it's very clear that we know what's driving us, but we've been letting it drive us now for two or three decades. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see the erosion of the ethic of what it means to be a human being. Mm -hmm. which is a heart centered kind of compassionate, you know, kind of existence, which makes me segue into the next piece here is, is that if we're, if because we're immature when all this is happening, Irma, and we don't really have a sense of how to fix any of it. One of the dilemmas that we're faced with, particularly in Western culture is our exposure to compassion and the definition of what that is Mm -hmm. Uh, because we don't know any better we are being told that compassion means to suffer for ourselves and, and suffer for another human being. So other mm-hmm. words, we're given the definition of martyrdom and sacrifice as the definition of, of compassion. That is quite Christian and it's false mm-hmm. because it's not the definition of compassion. And I say all the time, I was writing something about this today, precision in terminology and vocabulary is important because we string these pieces of the puzzle together to make a comprehensive, uh, understandable idea and perception or concept, and then in following it to its conclusion, we get to some some understanding, and depth of understanding of it. And uh, and without the right terminology, the right way of defining these things, then we're stuck. So we don't learn the definition for compassion. Many of us. Right now in the culture, this is, I mean, ironically, because I do a lot of psychological testing, one of the vocabulary words on the intelligence test is compassion. And I will tell you that the largest percentage of people define it as suffering for another person or suffering for themselves, which is victim.
1: Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, and, the, and so it means, of course, to suffer with not even being. You break the word compassion into two words. Compassion is to suffer, and COM means come with, come hither, so it's to suffer with. And so the profundity of that is, is really what came through with my trauma patients because I saw many of them uh, coming through the experience, feeling like they were being punished by God. They did not have any deep understanding of the true way to approach compassion. And it turns out that to suffer with oneself is the purest form of self-love we can practice.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh,
0: and, which means like sitting in our own suffering long Mm -hmm. enough for something else to come through, which is typically cathartic when it does, Mm -hmm. is an act of self-love. Yeah. This is not, this is one of the biggest distortions in the culture right now. And, uh, and we're, and we're really far off of that. That's the other, uh, the other insight, the third insight in that little uh, paragraph that I wrote that because we're naive, we martyr ourselves to the ego's anger. And when I say ego's anger, I'm talking about the reigning authority Mm -hmm. at the time, which we then internalize and make our, make it our own anger. Uh, and so the next thing that I wrote in that paragraph is, is that without spiritual angst, we would never awaken. Part of the problem with this, this inner angst and the whisper of this inner angst is, is that we think it's negative. This inner angst is, is critical for us to move. Uh, without that emotion, without the motion of, uh, of, of that internal world that is happening, we would not ever grow or advance, or evolve as people. My point is, it's very normal to have the angst. And when I evaluate people and I see people in therapy, you know, I have to make a distinction between anger and anxiety. Believe it or not, in the body, they feel the same. They also have a fear, a fear kind of orientation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fear and anger tends to make depression. Fear and guilt tends to make paranoia. Uh, fear and shame tends to make self-loathing and self-hatred with the, 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 the potential for suicidality and or harming others. There, there is, there's a lot of different combinations of those feelings and emotions uh, and then division that are predictable at some level. Mm-hmm. But again, the angst is not a bad thing. We are, uh, unfortunately, in the culture, medicating a lot of this angst and we're not helping people understand that it has a function. And so what is it doing? Well, I, the, the fifth thing I said in this, in this interpretation tonight is that anger tends to diminish when it's not fed, and the residuals of that is the emotional beginnings of what I am calling trace anxiety. So in other words, we have the hurt feelings, we have the emotional reaction to our division, which is one of anger, And then if it isn't fed by the outside world, it dissipates, it levels out and goes underground. It goes into the unconscious and it leaves with it a trace anxiety. Uh, and that trace and that trace anxiety is the whisper and it is the natural state of the human ego,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: which is one of low level anxiety. Why? Because I'm always adapting. I'm always, uh, surviving and trying to fit in and deal with my life. And and that's how you can see the ego gets installed as the default compass.
1: I'm mm-hmm.
0: so externalized at this point in our development that the ego is the external compass. Uh, and we put our heart, which is our true compass, offline. And in most cases, don't trust it. Don't even think it's anything more than just a pump, you know, and don't have any sense of that intuitive gut kind of connection. If we had to make a choice between our inner lives and our outer lives, we make the choice for the external. And again, because we're psychological uh, prisoners, if you will, uh, as we come into this existence. And so only a few of us, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but only a few of us stay grounded in that original connection to source or that original connection to something larger than ourselves but we still have the psychological reality that you know, no matter how spiritual we may be or how spiritually connected we may think we are, we still live in a, in a psychological world. We go to work, get on a, psych- a psychological bus, ride in a psychological taxi, take a psychological flight across country. I mean, in other words, we're still dealing with egos as we interact with the world around us. That's an adjustment. So as you can see, that becomes a second tier priority our own spiritual development, psychological development and fitting in and being successful and being like everybody else. And all those things take precedent over that internal kind of covert world that we live inside of.
1: You started out talking about um, the importance of of words and communication and, and that's kind of where you started. And I was following you all the way through. And then you also talked about compassion and um, suffering uh, for oneself versus with oneself or suffering for another person versus um, with another person. I was thinking a psychologist or a healer of some kind. What's actually going on in that healing is the um, act of true compassion. If the healer is in a place, place of having compassion with, that's where the healing takes place. One moment where there's a feeling and in that moment when that feeling happens, that's the place where we can really see each other clearly in that moment. Compassion is such a beautiful thing based on that.
0: In in the business of what uh, of what real compassion is, which is the capacity to sit with one's pain, long enough for something else to come through there's another deeper level that is called mercy Mm, mm. and this is different than um than compassion in the sense that you have to participate in your own uh freedom your own allowing and uh and so you have to literally uh, not judge yourself, even though you could, you have to let yourself be free, even though you could keep get yourself imprisoned at some level. You have to commit to this idea uh, that you are deserving of your freedom, you're deserving of compassion, and that deeper level is mercy. And we're not taught how to do that. Again, we're not yeah. taught how to, you know, and, and again, I said this, I've said this on the podcast, but in, in the context of a court of law, mercy is being set free for time served. So you have to put in parentheses, serve what? In the context of spiritual work, the ego. <laughs> you know, you're setting yourself free for time serving the ego. And the whisper, the question is, am I more than ego? You see, that's the internal mm-hmm. Whisper, am I more than ego? And in mercy, do I have the right to question ego? Do I have the right to ask why? Do I have the right to to say no to ego? You see, and uh, and this is we're so conditioned early on that this is absolutely unacceptable, and that and with it will come some sort of retaliation, typically guilt or shame, and so therefore we don't even bother to try. Many of us mm. until we get older again the whisper the whisper is mirror mirror on the wall is this reflection i'm seeing the truth or is there more you see yeah. and act, and so really the the next insight that comes in this paragraph that i wrote is um once the whisper happens it's our first experience with self inquiry and self inquiry is a big deal it's uh, and by that i mean you know talking to yourself and answering yourself and actually having dialogue with yourself. Again, in the culture, we, we think it's crazy, but it's not to have an inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't have a real clear understanding of who or what is talking, who or what is communicating, what lens we're looking through during our communication, what we're giving attention to what has station who has station in the dialogue and the conversation again this is the the reason and the importance of understanding one's inner world if you understand it then it isn't intimidating it isn't confusing and it certainly isn't crazy
1: i was thinking when you were talking about mercy in connection to um, say, for example, if you, if you go to someone, a healer of some sort, the importance of participating in your own healing, and we can do that through nursing. I think anybody who practices true compassion is a healer.
0: And so, yeah, when we're, when we're having the whisper, am I more than ego, uh, many of us would, would think that we're, that we're talking to God. Well, if we're talking to God, the, the receiver that we have in our hand as we're having the conversation is the soul because the soul is standing there or is existing there in its, in its uh, embodied kind of animated form, if you will, responding to the question. And that was an insight that was important to get. That, we're, that when we're asking the question, am I more than ego? We're really saying, am I a soul first and then an ego or am I an ego first and then a soul? Mm-hmm. And we already know that the soul comes first.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So it's an easy answer. So the final insight on that, on that piece is, is that if we're not grounded in something besides our emotions, then we're going to be like a moth to a flame that literally that our emotions are the, um, are the problem. If we don't understand that they, they're self-corrective in nature. They're not supposed to be all consuming. So the, the final part of this that I want people to get is, is that the, the whisper that is happening which is a low level conversation that one is having with themselves, which is born out of low level anxiety, am I more than my ego, is coming from that original anger of being divided because the separation angst is hurt feelings. We don't know what that hurt feeling is. Have you ever thought about that? that when we get cut away from the creator, we're feeling something, but we don't have words or context. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's precognitive. Yeah. That we can't categorize or analyze the feeling to make it an emotion. We just feel it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: We feel the separation. And so it ends up becoming longing for things to be the way they were before the cut,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: why I call it the faded break. So watch that. So that angst, isn't laced with all those negative emotions it's just a feeling
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was this way a minute ago, and now i 'm not it's and, and, and ironically it 's a shift in time. We move from eternal mm-hmm. to finite in that cut. The division is something else. The division is coming with you know what I just want to be five i don 't want to i don't want to have to deal with your divorce
1: mm-hmm.
0: i just want to be I just want to be eight or nine i don 't want to have to 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 uh, to lie to my friends uh, that you do drugs. So in other words, we're dealing with stuff when we're little. And that stuff that we're dealing with, the caretakers that we have, they are either guilting us or shaming us in some way that we're going, you know what, can I just be 11? Can I just be 12? Do I got to do this? And and so with that comes anger and frustration and over time, it dissipates; it levels out, but it leaves a residual behind. And what it leaves behind is, my goodness, am I more than ego? Am I more than this? And and so that's what I wanted folks to get tonight. That uh, that this remnant, uh, this residual kind of whisper, everybody has it. Everybody's going through it. Everybody's had a conversation with themselves that has 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 kind of ended with. Is this the truth or is there something different (laughs) or is there something else? Everybody's had that conversation at some time or another. I used to, when I was doing counseling, I used to say it's a, uh, that in the back seat of the automobile, that is your life. You're making some kind of pack with yourself that I'll tell you what, when I get old Mm -hmm. enough to drive my own vehicle, things are going to be different because you're in that back seat. When I become a father, when I become a mother. When I become these things, it's going to be different. And, and then we forget the pact we made with ourselves. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible.